Hello, this is the Landscape Ontario podcast. Don't let your guard down. That's the topic of today's town hall webinar. It was recorded on June 9th. We hope you enjoy the audio. It will feature LO's COVID-19 task force alongside Kristen Hoffman from the Workplace Safety and Prevention Services, WSBS. It's a great episode. We hope you enjoy. The Landscape Ontario podcast is sponsored by Dynascape Software. LO members save 15% on Dynascape products, software upgrades, and online training. Visit Dynascape.com for details. Okay. Hello and welcome, everyone. Looks like we are live, and it's the latest installment of our town hall brought to you by our incredibly committed Landscape Ontario Task Force. Now that we've collectively been back to work for some time, it's vitally important not to let our guard down, especially when it comes to the health and safety of our people and our clients. Complacency can be the linchpin of it all. It's when we let our guard down that injuries and illness can occur. My name is Joe Salemi. I'm the Deputy Executive Director with Landscape Ontario. And today I'm joined by an all-star cast of our Landscape Ontario Task Force. We have Alan White from Turf Systems and current Task Force Chair. Dave Wright from Wright Landscape, current LO President. Jeff Olson from BTN Nurseries. And Peter Ganan from Oriole Landscaping. Special returning guest, Kristen Hoffman from Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. Welcome everybody. Thanks for taking some time out of your day, especially at five o'clock. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Got it. Uh, so we just to let everybody know, we are recording today's town hall, and as soon as we get it posted, we will uh, send the link out to everybody. So in case you're not able to join us for the full thing, uh, you will be able to see it later. And um, you know, this style of format encourages uh, a co-creation of content. So please ask questions uh, in the uh, right side chat, and uh, we'll do our best to try and get to everybody. Uh, in, as many questions as we possibly can. A little bit about Kristen, in case you didn't get to check out the last town hall that she had presented on, uh, presenting some fantastic information. As a WSPS consultant, Kristen works with agriculture and landscape companies all over Ontario to develop and maintain health and safety programs. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I think we have a little bit of a slide deck for you, so I can fire that up for you, but uh, I'll hand it right over to you. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks again for the opportunity. Thanks to the task force and all of the membership. The point of our conversation today really is to reinforce the point to not let our guard down during this COVID-19 pandemic. Much like other aspects of occupational health and safety, unless an incident does occur or we have a close interaction with an injury, illness, or fatality, we might not be as likely to keep front of mind some of those potential hazards or exposures within our workplaces and our general sector. COVID-19 is no different. We do need to be sure that we keep this particular hazard and its potential exposures front of mind. 
So I will certainly thread through the presentation that reference to not let your guard down, as I know your task force and rest of the membership will do as well. Within the slides that I will filter through, it really is intended as a backdrop for our conversation. And what I mean by that, in the slide deck, you will see links to resources. The conversation that I will facilitate is based on content within those resources. So I am sure Carrie and others will provide that presentation to you in a method that allows you to access those direct resources. As good as it is to have the conversation, it is also valuable to have the resource on paper that you can go back to. The brief introduction that we do have here to reinforce our partnership with Landscape Ontario. Landscape operations are one of our most prominent types of businesses that WSPS does work with. And what I will ask of the task force members, as well as all of those participating live, where there are questions and recommendations that you have on this topic to not let your guard down related to the pandemic, as well as strategies and guidance that has been developed, please do be part of the solution and provide those suggestions along the way so that all of us together, as we have heard so often, ensure that we are in this together, but we are healthy and safe in this together. Within this presentation, although the format does look so similar to the last that I did participate within, our focus here is going to be on source control related to transmission or vectors might be the term that yourself as well as members of your task force will reference. What that means essentially is that you may become the source of the infection or transmission of the virus. Not only yourself that may become potentially ill, but the surfaces that you contact and the other people that you interact with. So within that focus, I will touch on material handling strategies and recommendations, which is most important uh, for the work that we do, given that we may come in contact with the respiratory droplets that are the challenge on a paver and in doing so, we may contract the virus. We will talk about the likelihood of that being so very low, but the potential does still exist and we are still in a state of uncertainty of how likely is it really. And we might not know yet, and it might take some time even after today, tomorrow, or the coming months to be sure. Once again, I will mention some of the resources and support available for you, and those will be the links that you will find within the presentation afterward. So COVID-19 as a hazard, much like any other within occupational health and safety, requires management. And any other type of hazard that we would manage to make a comparison to a rudimentary safety example of a moving part that requires a guard over it to reduce the likelihood of access, contact by a worker, and the resultant injury. We need to stay on top of the condition of that guard, the compliance of our workers to use that guard, and of course replace it if there is damage or it is in poor condition. That's not letting our guard figuratively down by not letting our guard quite truly down. We're making sure it's still doing what we intended in the first place, and it has not created any other or different hazard. 
COVID-19 as a virus and hazard is no different again. It requires management and ongoing evaluation to be sure the protocols you have in place are effective. We have not become complacent, especially when we have not had an experience ourselves. We hope that will be the case, that we will not have an experience ourselves, but some of the time that means we become a touch comfortable or complacent, as I suggested. We want to keep our awareness high and evaluate the protocols we have in place quite regularly. And that could be every week, day, or every moment of every day. When we notice that there is a potential for exposure to that hazard and we haven't got on it yet, that's the time to do so. So we apply that same hazard management process to recognize how people can come in contact with COVID-19, potential for contact with equipment, tools, or surfaces of our materials that could be the source of transmission of the virus. In particular, landscape workers will have contact with people and those materials as simple as a hand tool or the stone that I suggested earlier. If on those surfaces there is a hazard, a droplet, we may, again, contact, contract, or perhaps become the source of the transmission of that virus to another paver or to other people within our workplace. Workers that may come in contact with those respiratory droplets do need to have protocols and safeguards in place. And as employers, we have the opportunity to implement what those will be and encourage feedback ongoing so that we can improve through our evaluation every moment of every day. Given the exposure of landscape workers, our sector, we are out and about and have interaction with people. It may be valuable quite regularly to ask questions of our workers about how they do feel and again for feedback, what suggestions or recommendations they might have to reduce that likelihood of transmission. Always considering the hierarchy of controls from personal protective equipment or devices as the least effective all the way up to elimination as the most effective and evaluate the effectiveness, implement new and different as it becomes apparent and necessary. And again, keeping that theme of to not let your guard down ensures that we have the most current protocols as well as the most effective in place within our workplace. In particular, guidance that has been developed and published for the landscape sector referenced within the Premier and Ministry announcements quite regularly are available through not only WSPS, but I will also be sure to reference our Partner Association, Infrastructure Health and Safety Association. For those who are within construction and perhaps even the heavier aspect of construction, IHSA, that partner, does have similar types of resources available that would be valuable for you to peruse. The ministry, of course, has summarized content related to landscape in particular and more broadly construction, maintenance, and transportation that would be valuable too. Some of those resources include relatively new as of last week, posters, videos, and again, I'll highlight a few links of sessions that will become available on topics such as the competing challenge when we have to don personal protective equipment and working out in the heat uh, and where and how transmission might become a challenge when we are putting on and off 
coverings on ourselves, whether gloves, face, etc. In particular, for the landscape sector, the few documents that have been prepared, and some of those, the same title as the last visit together, but there have been revisions made, and others are new since the last town hall that I did participate. Those examples have the titles garden centers, lawn care, drivers or more broadly transportation, retail and pickup and delivery. Uh, even though the title might not seem perfectly relevant for landscape construction or maintenance, likely we can glean some strategies. For example, pickup and delivery. I might not provide that service as a landscape worker, but I am going to pick up product and materials. Within these guidance documents, strategies not only for the shipper receiver, but also the customer or the receiver of those products at these workplaces. Specifically within the guidance documents, content developed for employers, supervisors, and workplaces to manage the hazards of COVID-19 exposure. Specifically, some of those examples will suggest or encourage to report if you do feel ill. Do not bring yourself as a source to the workplace where you not only will feel more ill, but potentially become that source of transmission to other people within the workplace. As employers and supervisors understand what protocols and strategies you have in place to receive that report of illness, how we would investigate, manage, and follow through to the recovery of that worker. As we have heard through the provincial recommendations, in particular Public Health Ontario, physical distancing, and we will talk through as well as I will ask, how do we put that into practice for you in the landscape sector? Physical distancing of two meters or more between people, between coworkers, as well as between the worker who is picking up the skid of pavers from the shipper at the building supply. Keeping that distance is our most effective defense. Where it is not possible, we recognize there is an increased likelihood of transmission but we may be able to implement other types of controls. Practicing hand hygiene goes along as being one of the most effective controls as well. Even if you are donning, whether it's a heavy glove for handling brick and stone, or it is a nitrile or very thin skinned glove simply for purpose of not coming in contact with the respiratory droplets, do, don appropriate protective equipment and devices, but be very aware that everything we come in contact with, of course, with those gloved hands can now become contaminated. And how we remove those gloves become part of the most important step in the process. If I grab the glove with a bare hand, I've really undone the need or the effectiveness of that glove in the first place. Hand hygiene, still as a recommendation, as often as possible with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. And there's a few songs and stories that you can tell yourself to be sure you achieve the 20. Where it might not be possible or you do not have access to water, although it, water is most ideal, sanitizer with a high percentage of alcohol or disinfectant, 60% or so, is effective. We do wanna keep in mind within this sector though that we've gotta give it the chance to dry. 
the sanitizer has not done its job to clean the hand unless we hold on, take a breath for a second after we've applied, let it dry. And the other points within this sector to be aware of, if my hands are dirty, the sanitizer might clean the dirt, but it's not going to actually clean the hand. So be sure that you dust off, wipe the mud off, rub the grease off as best as you're able if you have to use a sanitizer rather than water. Etiquette related to sneezes and coughs, of course, keep yourself to yourself as best as possible using that bend of the arm or tucking your nose toward your armpit, armpit quite truly. Avoid sharing personal items. Uh, that could be as simple as a pen and clipboard. It could be as broad as hand tools within the workplace as well. On site where we're not able to access that running water, there were some great suggestions in the last session for portable devices that might become available. Uh, having a jug of water and some liquid or bar soap available that you can use as a wash up station on site, even better than only having that sanitizer that we know isn't quite as effective. Good stuff, but just the ideal being the water and soap. Clean and decontaminate, pardon me, yourself, as well as your surfaces, including your clothing quite regularly. So be sure you have the opportunity for your own hygiene when you return home from work, before you expose your home and those who are within it. And also toss those clothes and ideally give a good wash to the work boots at the end of your workday as well. Transmission is important to manage not only in the workplace, but I will say for myself, as important, if not more, at home for the people that I'm going to work to support quite truly. There's also some good strategy where we can limit the number of people in one workspace. Bubbling crews has become a term we hear quite often within construction and landscape um, so that we can reduce the number of people we have interactions with. And where possible, if we can assign equipment, tools, and other devices. So we reduce the number of hands, the number of potential vectors that are coming into contact with that particular item. Specifically related to material handling, a few of the points to share. A resource developed by WSPS in partnership with others with the title Playbook that you'll see toward the end. Uh, indicates that still according to research by the World Health Organization, the risk of contracting COVID-19 from exposure to material surfaces is still low. Now, the reason it can be low is based on time. I'll use an example where I receive a piece of mail, a paper folded up in an envelope in my mailbox. If I can leave that envelope in the mailbox, for longer than rushing right out after the postal worker has dropped it off, that time becomes my strategy. The virus does not last forever. The challenge, of course, is we do not know exactly how long it lasts, especially on different materials. From paper to cardboard to corrugated to plastic to steel to concrete may be different. So where we can leave items for a while whatever that while might be, that becomes the ideal. Now, where we cannot, we're going to reinforce those similar keep your guard up uh, strategies of hand hygiene and potentially protective equipment and devices. If I'm going to handle offload a skid or a lift of stone, 
I might don gloves, or if I do not don gloves, and even if I do, I'm gonna be sure that before I touch the stone, I've washed my hands. Through the process, maybe I've taken a break every level or so, washed my hands, and certainly at the end. Now, it will be a challenge, but ideally, we avoid the handoff of materials as well, meaning avoid the assembly line of one worker to the next, where I am passing a brick from myself to the next worker, to the next worker down the line. We increase those points of contact the more times we have to touch that same brick, stone, or tool, whatever the material might be. So where we can ensure that hand washing before, during, and after we handle materials, reduce as much as possible those handoffs. Where we can when picking up or receiving materials, if we can reduce some of the contact points as well, like can I place my order over the phone or online and reduce the amount of paper that becomes necessary for me to handle? So often we see the order slips, receipts or otherwise that the customer service representative hands to us at the building supply location. Perhaps it is onus on that building supply to implement the technology rather than the paper. But you might ask the question, can we do it in a different way? Can you radio out? This is the truck I'm driving. This is the number or the name on my truck for them to load me rather than having that page in my hand that someone else has just touched a moment before. The reason as well that it is quite low likelihood of transmission through contact with materials is, and walk me through this picture for a moment, that piece of mail I mentioned that the postal worker has placed within my mailbox, there would have to be a respiratory droplet on that envelope. I would have to touch that specific droplet while it is still in a virus state on that envelope. And then I would have to bring that thumb or fingertip that has touched that same droplet to my mouth or other membranes, and then the potential to contract the virus exists. It does exist. The reason it is a low likelihood though is because of all of those points of contact and ultimately the hands to the face or other membranes would have to occur. Same goes for those pavers, stones, boards, other pieces of lumber that we might come in contact with. Hand hygiene, potentially donning gloves, ensuring we're not contaminating ourselves as we put them on or take them off and where we can reduce the number of handoffs of material internally among your own workers, as well as externally with the suppliers that we engage with. For some of our pallets that might come wrapped and certainly for our smaller or individual items that are going to be in packaging, same suggestions will apply. Hand hygiene before we unwrap, after we unwrap and get rid of that packaging, ideally outside, perhaps on the construction project site, or at the residential site if we have a dumpster or even a garbage can for that property owner. Don't throw it in the truck or trailer and bring it back to the shop yard or your home with you. Where we are picking up or making orders for products as well and there is not technology in place, we have to do the pen to paper thing or even the stylus to a screen thing, uh, avoid sharing whenever possible. Or if you do have to hold on to that pen at the building supply location, 
be sure if you're practicing hand hygiene again, treat that pen just as you would I treat that piece of mail that comes to my mailbox. Some of the other points related to pickup and delivery, just to highlight related to material handling here. Again, when someone drops off the load for a sod, as an example, physical distancing. We don't need to be right up to the lift truck or the transport when the driver arrives. Give them the space. It's good not only for collision prevention, but it's definitely going to be good for COVID-19 transmission prevention. Also, when we are using vehicles to transport our materials, be sure we decontaminate it just as we are going to ourselves. The surfaces that those materials have touched, whether it's a piece of paper on the dash or it's that pallet within the cargo area of the truck or on the deck of the trailer, take some opportunity to give it a hose down. And then in general, the public health directions beyond those I've mentioned, which are still available, self-monitoring, self-isolating. There are even suggestions and guidance documents now related to pets and otherwise. The most current information linked through our guidance will take you to public health for the general recommendations, certainly. So I might pause for a moment and ask of the task force, Given some of those suggestions, material handling or generally, what have you found to be reasonable protocols, what works well, or where are there still challenges or questions that you have? I can, I can jump in to start, and then maybe Jeff, from the retail perspective or your experiences as, as you work, because you're more in the distribution than we are in delivery. I, I think it's one, making our teams aware, uh, making sure that we have sanitation protocols in place um, so when our employees go in the event there isn't the ability to to manage your your own hygiene after points of contact they have that available in the vehicles first and foremost and making where it's not just the job site but to your point Kristen, is, is those points of contact throughout the day um, <clears throat> i almost would point back to or question back to you a little bit with the markets open up in the workplace um, What's our responsibility to protect our employees um, as this market opens up? Because for the last couple of weeks uh, from a service delivery company, there isn't that many places other than our immediate vendors where our employees can actually have interactions. So a lot of them come back to our shops or we make job site provisions for them. But as gas stations, restaurants, fast food stops all start to become available, our ability even as employers to manage our environment becomes that much more um, cumbersome or uh, easier to let our guard down. So from a workplace safety and prevention standpoint, where does our responsibility trade off with the employee's freedom um, and a little bit their own privacy that how much can an employer tell them they can and can't do um, as this kind of overall market opens up? Sure. So to first distinguish between when at work and not at work, we have to recognize as well that even when not at work, that worker returns for their next shift. What has happened on the weekend? Is their salon open and they have been in for a haircut? Not in my region, but hopefully in yours. Uh, that's an exposure as well. So we do not have control. We cannot prohibit that freedom of our workers to go to get the haircut this weekend. But through the education and protocols that you have instilled to this point, and this is where there is some beauty, we've had some time already to, we hope, establish culture not only within our workplace, 
but strategies that our workers take home with them. We hope that is the same in general for occupational health and safety. When we talk about how to use a line trimmer safely at work, we hope that's the way they do it at home. How to set up a ladder at home should look the same way as it occurs at work. Now, where the lines become more difficult to distinguish is at lunch, I do go fill up with gas and I pick up a coffee and sandwich at the fast food restaurant. As an employer, I may have some opportunity to establish standards of where we can or where we would prefer our employees to visit. And that unfortunately might be based on media and case reports that we do hear of. Uh, if there has been a hot spot or a hot zone as it's being referenced, we might encourage you know what, you're going to be in this community, bring a sandwich with you rather than having to head out for lunch. Now, if an employee does, and dependent on your pay arrangement, they may be determined to be in the course of work, even when on that break, uh, to pick up the coffee or sandwich. So that responsibility may come back to us as the employer. So that's where the education and protocols that we have instilled to this point we encourage and expect those to be followed by our workers during our work days anyway. And we hope that they even filter over to the nights and weekends when they are not within our responsibility in particular. Does that help? As long as we don't dive too much into it, Kristen, it's, it is uh, acceptable to have, in light of this situation and the fact that it is a pandemic, um, conversations about culture at work and outside of work as it relates to us being a community of family uh, and protecting each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what's, what's your experience in the uh, distribution side of it from a grower through to the retail? Yeah, um, it, it's a it's it's a challenge, um, and we've got some some serious issues around uh, what's been making headlines over the last few days, which is temporary foreign workers. Um, over the last uh, ten days, there's been some significant issues. Um, Southwestern Ontario being most of the cases coming from temporary foreign workers. So we have that issue. And so we decided yesterday or two days ago that in, as the province takes their uh, foot off the gas, we will put ours on and we will ramp up our protocols and make, make uh, things like um, where masks were um, not mandatory, now they are in all offices, in all, uh, in, in all indoor facilities. Um, our hygiene protocols are are uh, are still in place as far as hand washing and all that kind of thing. Um, daily temperature checks. Now every employee who comes in gets their temperature checked uh, in the morning on their way in. If they're over 100 100.4 degrees, uh, they are to go home and self isolate. They are not allowed to return until they've had a test um, and, and a negative test result. This is a little bit of that personal thing you were talking about, Alan with uh, my screen's frozen. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, you, yeah that's good. Okay, sorry. Um, sorry, yeah. Uh, the, uh, we're still, uh, the test thing is, is, a, is a bit of a gray area as far as human rights and whether it's okay or whether it's not okay. But um, what we're doing to get around that is saying that is uh, not mandatory for all employees, but we're encouraging a monthly test. Um, and we'll pay five hours a month to employees to get while well, they get their test done. So just things like that to be very diligent. Um, temporary foreign workers can't mix with other workers. They need to be in specific work groups. 
if you're living in a house uh, on one of the sites, you are to be with only people from within that house. So, um, and still office staff expected to work from home for the foreseeable future. So those are the things we're doing on our end to uh, make sure these protocols are uh, in place and that we're safe. And then of course, with the customer touch, you know, in our distribution centers, uh, truck drivers, all of that kind of stuff, they need to follow all of these protocols as well. So whatever happens in the locations actually also happens outside of the locations. Yeah, for sure. No, that's I helpful to outside workers, uh, Jeff. Uh, Tony's asked a question, it was on my notebook. And since you touched on it a little bit, Jeff, maybe we can ask Kristen, the return to work protocols, um, what what is the recommendation or guidance coming from uh, both both your uh, office and partners and from the government as to most of us right now have if, if you have any of the symptoms you don't come to work you report to your supervisor that you won't be attending and then we have an automatic in our company an automatic 14-day quarantine as telehealth ontario is advising until such point we can't obviously because everyone that we've had so far has come back negative um, but they've also returned to work before the 14 days because they get guidance from their doctor or from telehealth that their symptoms aren't consistent. Um, but where is, what is the guidance in it? Because allergy season and hot weather and people feeling nauseous, dehydrated, lots of things are going to cross over. We, we got to be diligent as far as how we manage this through our teams. The, the, so just first to make a comment about, I like that comparison of uh, pedal for the gas as the province is releasing, we are applying further pressure on that pedal. I think that's a perfect way to manage as the public and market does open up. We've got to be even more stringent again, not only to not let your guard down, but perhaps we increase it if not already. And then to your question, Alan, about return to work, the best guidance in my position, and the reason I suggest it that way, with without the most current board direction, WSIB board direction, um, where there is a suspected case and we have that person self-isolate ideally, and most of the informal guidance now that we review both on websites as well as within the provincial announcements are, if you think you might go and have the test, uh, would be the best guidance in my position I could provide as well. And so what that means in the end then is it may be the 14 days or it may be ahead of that, but with that confirmation of a negative test. Uh, the challenge is not only the, the the symptoms that might look like something else or might not, but also those who could be asymptomatic. Uh, so we know that there is not likely to be zero likelihood of that transmission if everyone is feeling well, because asymptomatic may still be a challenge for us. So where someone is not feeling well and based on that guidance received through telehealth and then local public health unit, Ideally, that test with a confirmation of negative for me as an employer to be confident in their return. And of course, there may be questions then that follow to the board on compensation, etc. Okay. Excellent. Wonderful. I will unpause for just a moment then yeah. and I'll come on back to this slide and then we'll come back to the rest of your question. Yeah. So 
On this slide here, again, just to point out the few links that you will find that take you to the resources available, uh, posters, videos, conference sessions that will be made available online, again, on topics such as uh, the challenge of heat stress if and when we are donning protective equipment. That's good information, not only for COVID-19, but in general for this sector. We're out in the heat. We might typically have a respirator, goggles, or otherwise on. Likely the content of that session would be valuable for you, even aside from the pandemic. And the last, just to point out again, as our last slide is, we are always here to ask those questions of, uh, as we'll continue to do so in just a moment when I pause again. Uh, our duty consultant is still available during weekdays, seven to seven to give a call. If we do not have the answer, because truly we are not public health specialists or compensation specialists, but we reach out to our network to find those answers as best as possible. So please do be in touch. And again, that contact information will come to you in the presentation. Wonderful. Th All right. Thank you so much, Kristen. I mean, the, the time that you've taken um, to spend um, in sharing that information with us, we really do appreciate it. Um, absolutely a wealth of information. Um, and we really do appreciate that. Um, we did have some questions from our panel, but um, uh, guys, is there anything that um, you'd also like to ask Kristen in addition to the information that she shared with us? She did a pretty good job, I think. <laughs> um, there's a couple questions yeah. on there about as it relates, and we all feel the heat, respirators, uh, masks. Yeah. Um, for the most part, and we, we experienced in our company when we started wearing the, uh, the masks, especially the handmade ones, they're typically thick. Um, and even some of the medical masks are fine for one use, but after about 20 minutes of high respiratory, uh, they tend to get humidity laden. Um, so we've switched, I don't know, a lot of companies I'm seeing using either bandanas or some suppliers are supplying these, these stretch tubes um, that go over cover your, your face and your mouth, which allow for a way better respiration, um, even protect you a little bit, the back of your neck and things from the sun. Um, or it could be moistened to, uh, to help cool you. So I think there's ways around it, but I, I will agree that I think the majority of it isn't so much the wearing medical grade masks, it's stopping the transmission of your water droplets as you breathe heavy, um, which I think is also true. There's a few questions here about what's happening in vehicles. Uh, and I think a lot of that too, is, as we get into our don't let your guard down, when you can't maintain the two meter buffer, which for the most part in the landscape sector, you can, um, except when you're moving material or you're transporting between sites. Uh, and in those cases, we're suggesting in our company is again, not a face covering unless you're immediately fa family living in the same address um, and sanitize the vehicle and everybody stay in the same position in the vehicle. So if you ride in the passenger seat in the morning until the next sanitization, you're remaining in the passenger seat. Um, and if you need to change, whether it's a skid steer, a loader, a truck, um, if an operator changes, it's desanitized to sanitize that piece of equipment again. Um, so those are our protocols when we get into that two meter buffer um, without going to the, the area of respiratory. I don't know any of the other, especially uh, Dave and Peter with yourself being in the construction phase, um, when you get it inside that two meter, how are you dealing with respirators in the heat? 
Yeah, it's it's been challenging, a hundred percent. It's uh, especially in the heat. You do get used to wearing a mask. And I find I've been able to wear one for hours at a time, but it's it is uncomfortable. And uh, but it's you know it's something that you have to stay on top of. I've we've had a challenge uh, maintaining that compliance amongst all our crews. Some are better than others. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one question I do have is what are the, what are the tools at our disposal? Like I know when I had the problem in the nineties, getting people to wear safety boots every day to work, I could send people home at a certain point. I'd send them home to get their boots or, you know, 15 years ago, we started wearing reflective gear and I, at a certain point I could send them home if they weren't bringing their, the, their gear every day, if they were, you know, deliberately avoiding um, this, this, the problem with these COVID protocols is they've come so suddenly, I don't really have time to ramp up compliance. I have, it has to happen right away. And I don't want to be, you know, a hard ass, but I, you know, I, I don't want anyone to get sick either. So what I'm curious about is what we can do in terms of any authority we have to send people home uh, or what what authority do inspectors have if they come onto a job site? Will they find the employee? Will they find the company? Will they shut the job site down? Those things, you know, those are real potential risks to our uh, our work. And if and if I knew that there was some threat from the authority, it might give a bit more weight to our uh, to our protocols. So likely if I take every statement or question you have just asked and turn it into a statement would be my responses. Uh, so what I mean by that, working backwards, can inspectors enforce protocols for COVID-19 prevention on site? Yes. Ideally, we achieve that physical distance where there are places that we cannot achieve physical distance inspectors may order or not that I know of precedent, but there may be potential to penalize that specific worker, um, but certainly order. And that order could be to the employer to establish protocols or right through to the worker. If those protocols are in place to don the face covering, for example, and that worker is not, but the supervisor and employer can demonstrate that we've told them to, we've given them the equipment they need. Uh, it's that worker that's on the hook then. So very similar to any other standard, especially for PPE that you would have established within your workplace. And working the way back up that list of the questions that you had, uh, what authority do you have as an employer? This is a hazard, as I suggested, just like any other in the workplace. If we implement controls to manage, which includes protective equipment and devices, we can implement it in the same way as we would any other type of PPE. So that means as an employer, if I know there are places where we cannot achieve physical distancing and my rule has been communicated that you've got to put a mask on or whatever control you determine reasonable, I have every authority to hold my workers accountable to that standard in the same way that I would if they didn't show up in the 90s with their work boots on. So both the ministry with external authority and a lot of that work has been in the heavier construction as well as home building, whether condominiums or detached, uh, where they have been shutting sites down as well. A lot of that having to do with the number of workers in a space 
and the lack of hygiene facilities on site. So they can issue stop work orders. They can issue uh, orders with a plan. This is what we need you to do, like get the masks or provide training. That can be, of course, to employer, supervisor, or worker. And then the employer has that same authority to establish what standards you believe are reasonable. I hope yeah, I got that's the whole right. thing. I think so. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's something, and maybe Joe, if I can, I can share with the, those that are that are on this live and those after, uh, that Landscape Ontario is about to launch uh, Don't Let Your Guard Down campaign, um, which will include uh, kind of communication releases from the association. Uh, it's going to include PDFs and posters. So we've had a lot of support from our partners at the associate level. Um, so through our supply chain, hopefully we'll have those constant points of contact, not just from us as employee, employers, but as our employees go out into the into the workplace to pick up supplies and others, they're going to have multiple points of reference with the exact same story. Um, we're also creating uh, stickers to adhere to skid steers, trucks, uh, you name it, that again reminds them, don't let your guard down, we're in this together. Um, so I think this constant instillment and even encourage other landscape companies if you see colleagues out in the workforce remind them that we're in this together there's a lot of state from not only our employees own personal health and safety but also for us remaining in business and, and viable and able to keep moving forward and to be an example to others as they come into we get a much more integrated um, workplace society again um, <clears throat> that we're visible doing what we can to protect our clients, uh, the community, and the, the, the greater public at large from obviously the, the downside to this virus. So um, I think it's going to be, Leanne is working to put a, a poster for safety boards that will have the same logo. Don't let your guard down, maybe Joe, but at the end of this, we can finish by putting that, the, the, the logo and the tagline up on the screen. Um, but the poster for your workplace uh, safety boards will include the protocols about two meters, face coverings, uh, hand washing, all those constant vector control touch point things that we need to, to keep mindful. And then this really bold logo um, that identifies our, our, our employees and identifies the fact of face covering and distancing just to constantly remind them. So we encourage, I think they're gonna get shared Joe in our next publication. So every member is gonna get uh, at least a couple stickers. And then a few of our associate members have uh, volunteer or are going to distribute a significant number through their chains um, as well as landscape ontario through our normal promotion media where you get your member stickers and other things they're going to have them available at the at our cost of production so that you could adhere them to every tool every skid steer every piece of equipment or place in your work where you think uh, employees might let their guard down uh, moving forward so uh, a big uh, what what I was going to ask you, Peter, uh, and even Jeff, because you have a lot of companies coming in and out. And again, I think this is where us as a community can help each other out, is when we have vendors coming into our place of work, whether it's to service our forklift or equipment or to drop off a truckload of fertilizer, making sure it's particularly those, those foreign entities that come into your workplace that aren't in the normal family, um, that they're adhering to the protocols or you refuse entry. Um, because those are places that you're probably going to have the greatest potential from an unknown source coming into your, your community. 
um, through those vector connections. So I don't know if any of the rest of you have something similar to share or things you've put in play. So when you're not present and you're shipping and receiving um, or you're having multiple contacts with outside sources, how your prevention strategies are working. Well, I know we're lucky we don't have that many uh, outside deliveries arrive at our shop. And we do have signage out front that all deliveries are to remain outside. We have a receiving area outside, even for office bound uh, deliveries. They leave it outside like Amazon does at your house and they knock on the doors. Uh, I'd say seven out of 10 delivery people read the signs before they come into the office. And, uh, but you know, we've been pretty good at that. And, uh, and, I, and I think the outside interactions that we have, we're able to maintain uh, physical distancing. Uh, I think there's uh, a lot less risk if we're outside and maintaining distance. So, uh, but yeah, very few have come into our office and most of my office staff are working from home. So we are on uh, skeleton staff here, so. How are you, Dave? Certainly when we're receiving uh, shipments of materials and so on, whether it's on site or at our shop, we are conscious of the fact that it is uh, um, you know, somebody from another company, from a different background, from a different source, you know, you, you don't know where they've been. Um, certainly a lot less control than you have over your, um, your own staff. Um, generally, we're working with companies that have solid protocols to begin with. So they're, you know, they're staying in their trucks. They're not, um, there's no paperwork being transferred between people. Um, and that's something that we've been, uh, we've been working hard at is, is to make sure that, that there is that separation. Um, but certainly when we're picking up materials from our, from our vendors, I'm noticing that, um, that they've got some very, very strict protocols and it's, um, and it's, it's keeping everybody safe. So that's been good. Right on. Thank you. Um, you know, Carla uh, makes a good point. You know, um, people on her career, they're seeing other landscape companies that um, aren't exactly following the same level of protocol that they are. Uh, in your own businesses, um, when you do have people on your team saying, well, those guys over there aren't doing the same things, how do you remind them that it's important not to let their guard down? I don't think it's how, it's how often. And it's, it's a daily, it's a regular thing that, that they got to be reminded. Um, as, call it, as society is opening up, it's, um, it's getting harder and harder to, uh, um, to keep things moving in the right direction. And I guess it is the right direction, but I mean, it, it's, it's harder and harder to keep that, um, those safety protocols in place. And I think it's just a constant reminder. Um, you know, I like that, that whole comment about putting the foot down or, stepping on the gas as the province takes their foot off the gas because it's it is it's important and uh you know they're opening it up to uh to 10 people so or, or groups up to 10 people so now you're you're looking at home groups are, are getting bigger and uh it's there's just that much more potential for for transmission um but on the same on the same side you you got to constantly be talking about using the PPE and, and, and just keep it constant, 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 which is why this whole program or this whole, uh, um, program on the, on the, uh, to let your guard down is, is, is so important. I think the, the key to remember too, is that this isn't a one way street that we're on. We could easily 
get uh, uh, outbreak and end up having it out of control again. The healthcare could get overwhelmed again. If people are careless with the safety protocols and uh, they think we're out of the woods because everything's opening up and we get a second wave that's bad, then uh, then just try and remember what it was like in April when nobody was working and everybody was screaming and yelling and, and you know, if we could be there again, it's entirely possible if enough people disregard those protocols. Oh. So if, if we can be the ones that help prevent that and, uh, and there's other people that are, that are disregarding it's, you know, then so be it. But I definitely don't want to contribute to that, uh, to that outbreak. And, and, and certainly I mean, I, hearing about outbreaks, one of my vendors, um, sent a message out the other day saying that one of their staff um, tested positive and and so they were implementing their protocols they were looking and they had kept everybody in small teams which was good so that team was being checked out but everyone else was fine but they were letting everybody all of their all of their um, um, their clients know that this was the case so that we could take any protective action that we needed to do um, but I think that's why it's important to to stay on this whole thing and, and make sure that we're staying in, in crew size groups and, and, and um, just, you know, keep staying safe. I think a bit of it too, and uh, kudos to our, our supply partners, uh, associate members, because they've taken on the task force and outside of the task force. Uh, they've held a couple of meetings where they've really looked to see how they could assist as being leaders with not just our, our own membership with, with the greater landscape community at large. So the, the comment that Carla had with staff complaining about others is, is hopefully through this campaign of don't let your guard down, though it'll be landscape Ontario branded, it's intended for the whole landscape community. Um, and by all means, I think we should encourage our employees because we are all part of the community. If at a coffee shop or at a job site where you see it, um, or through social media and other things to encourage all of us to, to, to remember that we're in this together. Um, and at that point, it's for their own protection. It's for their family and for their, their friends at work's protection. It's not just about them anymore. Uh, similarly, it, it's a mindset and a culture. When you're standing in line at a Home Depot and you see every sixth person with a mask on, I would probably argue that 90% of the people with masks on believe that they're protecting themselves. When the reality is the opposite, you're protecting the rest of the people in that line. So it's almost like the other nine people, and they, they, they haven't got the point that we're in it together. They're thinking about it individually. So that's our job as leaders. It's our job as employers. Uh, it's our job as the, the creators of culture uh, to collectively bring this forward, which is the big stimulus behind coming up with this Don't Let Your Guard Down campaign. To Jeff's point, it's, it's, our, it's our opportunity. It's, I think it's our priority to make sure that we we put our foot on the gas, that we make sure um, while complacency will start to come in that into play. And Dave, as you said, as we see the market open up, a lot of people are going to think that the, the risk is gone, but those who saw the headline yesterday, World Health identified yesterday was the worst uh, single day of cases worldwide since the beginning of the pandemic. So this hasn't gone away. We may have flattened it here, but remember, look how much of the population is still at home. Um, so I think we got a lot ahead of us. I think we're doing the right things, but Carla's correct, and I'm seeing it too. There's a lot of people that they're not. Some members have comment or called me and commented the fact that they are reaching out when they see someone at a 
stopped at a coffee stop or something, just going over and having a friendly reminder that uh, that this is serious and that, and that we all need to do what we can. If you need access to or support, identifying the landscape and terror resources or the peer networks um, or other things like WSPS to, to go get the information they need and to do what they can to participate. Oh, thank you. And, um, you know, as we, uh, as we get close to the hour, um, I'd like to go through the panel and um, get one piece of advice that you might want to share with the community um, in being vigilant about not letting your guard down. What's one thing that you would want to share with your fellow community? Jeff, let's start with you. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I, I think what I would share is just kind of riffing off of what everybody was saying about employees is that your employees are going to really appreciate you providing a safe work environment. And, you know, that it is, it is uncomfortable, but I found we've been full masks, full protocol for a couple of weeks now. First couple of days were tough and people not complying. Uh, but once you get that buy-in, everybody is just appreciative and uh, everybody, everybody uh, pulls together on it. So that's what we found in our end. So, um, yeah, that's, that's us. Thank you. Uh, Peter? Yeah, it's, uh, so I, I, maybe I was kind of negative with all the scaring, scare tactics, but, but uh, and with my staff as well, I mean, I'm always harping on them to do this and to do that. There's a, the other side of that coin is to, is to call out people that are doing the right thing and to give positive feedback to those people who have complied with your protocols that are wearing masks, that are washing their hands and are, and I have, I'd say 50% of my crews have hundred percent compliance. Mm -hmm. And those crews, I have to reinforce that positive behavior at every opportunity. And, uh, and I have seen one other company, uh, landscape company out there that I, as far as I can tell, they have hundred percent compliance across their company. And, uh, and I haven't reached out to them yet, but I definitely want to reach out to them and, and congratulate them because I think that's a great achievement and I want to encourage that kind of behavior. So I think being positive with this enforcement is a, a huge tool that, uh, that we can't forget about. Thank you. Uh, Dave? I just think it's really important to talk about it every day. Um, your tailgate meetings, even if it's just the sending off the guys in the morning. Um, <clears throat> we are doing staggered start times between our, our maintenance crews and our construction crews. And I just think it's uh, really important just to talk about it every day, talk about it constantly, um, and have everybody talking about it. Um, and I think that's what's going to help you know, keep it in people's minds. Yeah, yeah great advice. Alan? I think we said at the beginning of, of this whole crisis back in March and April when we first got together as a task force, uh, and I think it's it's true today as it was then, with our teams, with our customers, with our with our partners in business, uh, communicate, communicate, communicate. When you don't know what else to do, communicate some more. Uh, it's kind of the theme we all have here, but it's as important to communicate with our clients about what our protocols are, to communicate why or how we've gone to digital and why we've gone to digital what to do when your crews are on site. Um, and then with Dave, with the, the tailgates in the morning, we just reinstill the positive nature and that, that we are all implementing these protocols for everyone's safety and we rely on them to, 
to be part of that culture. Uh, and then constant communication with our supply chain so that they're consistent in alignment with what we're doing. Um, and likewise, we utilize these resources to make sure that we have as up-to-date information as we can possibly have. Um, as there's probably still more unknowns about this virus than there, there is known, but over time we will eventually get to the point. I, I think if we do this diligently for the next couple of months, um, we'll be in a way better position going into what some are saying will be the more difficult time this fall or next spring. Um, we already felt the pain last spring and most of advised us that if we don't get it right, the second wave can actually be harder than the first. So not sure how well the economy, not sure well how the government uh, or our workforces and businesses can hold another, um, again, wave of this coming. So I think why we're all incredibly busy right now, I haven't heard a single uh, peer that hasn't said the same thing, that they're shocked at how busy they are, but everybody's home. Um, that, that in our own right, as, as, as business owners, we don't let it go down. Thank you. And thank you to everybody on our panel, Kristen, everyone joining us um, from home or your office or in the field, wherever you happen to be, uh, for spending your valuable time with us today. Um, you know, as the province continues to slowly reopen regionally, um, I think, like we said here today, it's more important than ever to be vigilant um, and to not let our guard down. And um, just as the panel said today and the, the advice that they gave, communication and positivity around uh, being vigilant and not letting our guard down is incredibly important. Uh, thanks, everybody. I'm looking forward to seeing you at the next iteration of our town hall. Take care and have a great night. Be safe. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Landscape Ontario podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes every month. And if you have an idea for the show, please email me at scott at landscapeontario.com. Thanks for listening.